Hello, I'm Taj, digitally known as Tropic Vibes, the host of Nifty Business, where we highlight NFTs and explore Web 3.0 as we move from pure speculation to creating real-world value. So the first time I heard about a Dutch auction was all the way back in 2004 when Google IPO'd. I was sitting in my business intro class and we were hearing about Google getting ready to go on the public market. And I thought this was the most amazing thing I've ever heard. And when I started to hear about Dutch auctions in the NFT space, I sort of thought they were the exactly the same thing, but they are not. Today, we're going to discuss a Dutch auction in and outside of the NFT space time out, I just want to insert a little audio right here to let you know that I'm going to say the word IPO a lot. And what that stands for is initial public offering. So when a company that is private is first going on to the stock market, that is called an IPO because it is the first time that is being offered to the public for sale. Okay, let's resume right back where we left off. So I've always been fascinated by business, finance, and how all of these things work. The stock market IPOs, and everything related to all these numbers and charts and how money works, all of this stuff. However, when it came to this whole Dutch auction system, when I first heard about it back in the day, I thought it was the most amazing thing. Everyone knows Google right now as far as being the world's biggest, most popular used search engine. However, back when 1998, when it first started, it was really just another startup running out of a garage and no one really expected it to be this crazy thing that it is today. However, by the time of its IPO in 2004, it was sort of a household name by then already. And the way IPOs normally work is the banks are getting ready to list this on a public stock market such as the NASDAQ in New York. That's where a lot of the tech companies go. And that's where Google ended up going as well. So they usually do this thing called a roadshow, which is basically the bank, whichever that the company is working with, or in many cases, it's multiple banks, but they go around and they do all this marketing, this press, all this hoopla to try to build up excitement. It's sort of like when a new movie is coming out with all the promotional posters and everything, but they do this mobile roadshow, if you will, try to get excitement and figure out what exactly they're going to price this at for when it goes to the market. They're speaking to all sorts of investment bankers. They're speaking to hedge funds and they're speaking to everyone to try to figure out what they're going to list this at. Now, the goal of this is not only to make money for the company because that is why they're going on the market. It's sort of like these mint prices that we're seeing when NFT projects are getting ready to launch is they're getting ready to sell and they're getting the money from the public, right? So all of that hoopla, the marketing, everything that goes into it initially, that's what this whole phase is before an IPO. So going back to this whole business thing with Google and all these other companies, how this was traditionally done was hiring these people to build up the excitement. However, at this time, Google was already a household name. So unlike a lot of these companies that were coming onto the scene, Google figured out that this is a new age, this is the internet, Everyone knows who we are at this point because they're searching for stuff. So we're not going the traditional route because there's ridiculous fees that you have to pay to all the bankers. And what ends up happening is they give deals to their buddies and the company does not squeeze out every single dollar. And just using simple numbers is let's say it was getting ready to go to market for $100. Well, they really will lower the price for all their insider banker friends, their best clients and what have you. And they will list it for $75 knowing that they will make a $25 
dollar profit as soon as it goes on the open market to the regular schmoes. So all these billionaires and everything and bankers and institutional investors will buy it at that discounted rate. And in return, the company will actually get less money than they actually are worth. So Google wanted to avoid all of this, go straight to the people. They figured, hey, this is the internet age. Everyone knows us. We don't need those bankers. And they did a Dutch auction. So what a Dutch auction is, well, there's two versions of it. I'll give you the first version first. But the thing that they have in common is they're not just setting a price of whatever these bankers say. They're actually going to the public and basing it off of demand. Version one, which is the one that I like the most, and this is the one that Google actually went with, is let's just use some very simple numbers. I'm going to say there's five items for sale and there's 10 potential buyers. So these are 10 people that are interested in buying it. And again, I'm just using these very small numbers. So that way, if you want to follow along or scribble this down on a piece of paper, you can actually figure it out and see how this is working. And again, I'm simplifying this, just add a couple zeros to it. And that's what these projects are actually doing. Or in the case of Google or these major companies, add multiple zeros on it. And that's how you're going to figure out how these shares are moving. But five items for sale, 10 people want to buy it. Let's say the first person now puts in their maximum bid, meaning the absolute highest price that they're willing to pay for one is 10. And by the way, for this example, I'm just going to simplify it and say each person can only bid on one. And of course, in the real world, you could buy multiple. But let's just say for easy math that each person can only buy one. Well, in this case, the first person says the absolute highest I'm going to bid is I'll pay $10 for one. Then one other person says, I will pay $7 for one. The next set of people that don't have as much money or don't value it as high, they will say, you know what? I'm willing to pay $5. However, that is only three people. Then all the cheapskates come in, the uh, people that don't really see it, they might see this as just a gamble. They don't really want to put that much money in it. The other five people say, I'm only willing to pay a dollar. So they're absolutely bottom pricing it. Well, using that analogy or those numbers, as I said, one person for 10, one person for seven, three people at five and five people at a dollar, all 10 people have in their bids their best, their maximum offer that they're willing to pay for it. Well, this example, everything is going to sell for $5. Well, why is that? It's because at $5, that is when the five items were actually sold. Because remember, the first person said maximum bid 10. Second person said maximum bid seven. So that's two sold right there. Third person, or I should say the three people said they're willing to pay $5. So three plus one plus one equals five. Remember, for simplicity, they were limited to one per person. And at that point, five were sold. So all five were willing to be sold at $5 or above. So because of that, everything is going to sell at $5. Even the person that bid $10 maximum, they're still going to get it at $5. Why? That is the equilibrium price to sell out the total supply. So that is very awesome. And when I saw this, I said, this is absolutely amazing. I love how they did this because that is true free market. The demand set the price for it. Everyone put in the absolute maximum that they're willing to pay for it, and they're not going to waste money. It's going to sell at the sellout price, right? Awesome. Now, version two, which is also something that was being done. I don't like this version as much, but the way this one works, let's use the same numbers. There's five items for sale. 10 people are interested in buying it. Well, the initial price that is set, let's just say whoever's selling it or whoever's running this auction, they'll say, we're going to offer the first one at $10. And they're going to then keep lowering the price 
assuming that eventually someone is going to make an offer. So they put out the high number first, say, hey, if there's anyone crazy enough or willing enough to pay $10, well, that's going to be the set price. Nope, no one goes 10. How about nine? Anyone willing to pay nine? Nope. How about seven? Or I should say eight, seven, and works their way down. And once a person finally puts in the bid and says, yes, I'm willing to pay for that, and they buy it at that one, well, at that point, the price is locked in. So anyone else that wants to get in, whatever that first person was willing to commit money to, that is the price that it's going to be locked at going forward. This way of doing things is also another way of just gauging the demand. However, in this one, it is set on the person that is willing to pay the most for it. Now, let's say in the case of something being a very high number, we're not talking about five here. Let's talk, we're talking about 500, 5,000, 5 million, or in the case of major companies, 5 billion. That is not a good way of doing it because you might have one billionaire hedge fund person or whatever it might be willing to buy up 1% of the company for a ridiculous exorbitant amount of money. However, then 99% of the shares are not going to be sold because nobody else can uh, afford that high fee. But doing it the version one way, which is once all of them are sold out, that is the equilibrium price where supply meets demand, then that is the price that's set. That is the best way, in my opinion, to do it. That is how free markets work. That is how capitalism really works. And that's how it balances out to find the right price and all of them sell out. Now, the funny thing is, in the NFT space, we don't see either of these actually play out. The way the NFTs do it is a completely different way. And in my opinion, it is the worst possible way ever. And they have invented a third way, which is uh, what we see now. And honestly, the first person I saw do, I don't know if he was the first to do it, but the one that I know that did it first was Gary V with the V friends. And you know, I'm a big fan of Gary, and I thought it was a very innovative way of doing things and really testing the limits. However, there's a couple things that I want to note. Just because Gary does it does not mean that everyone else can get away with it. And also, since there have been quite a few other Dutch auctions, most recently, I think the uh, World of Women Galaxies was a Dutch auction according to this fashion. However, the way this is done, I don't really like it. And this is, they start off with an initial high price, which is sort of like version two. However, they just keep lowering it and lowering it and lowering it till either everything sells out or till they reach that bottom floor price or the minimum that they're willing to drop it to. And then it just sits there. And in the case of VFENS, I think it was every seven or eight minutes, if I'm not mistaken, the price was lowered. And various people do it different ways, their projects, they might have a 15 minute timer, 10 minute timer, and it just keeps dropping down. So it might start at a ridiculously high price, let's say 10 ETH for something. And then it slowly works its way down to an absolute bottom of 0.1, let's say. And every seven minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, it just lowers, lowers, lowers. Now, how this typically happens is people end up sitting on the sidelines at the high price they know. No, no one's going to jump in at that price, only the whales. And that person has to be absolutely just loaded and money is no option. They don't want to sit around their computer. They're just going to bid a ridiculous number and then just be done with it. Move on to the next thing. Now, most people don't do that. However, most people sit around and they operate on FOMO, meaning that they wait until they see the volume start to pick up and then they don't want to get left out and they also don't want to get into a gas war. So the more demand, the more people that are actually trying to buy, 
of course, if it is on Ethereum, that there's going to be more transactions trying to go in. And then that's when gas wars and the bidding actually starts. So some people will just calculate it and say, you know what? It's at this point. It is a little bit higher than I'm willing to pay for it. However, I know once it drops a few more percentages or whatever, then so much more people are going to go into it. I'm going to pay more in gas. So it's just better for me to buy at this higher price right now. But this really operates entirely on FOMO. And again, I do not like this model whatsoever. But for whatever reason, that is what the NFT market is doing. That's how we roll right now. And I have never joined into an NFT Dutch auction because, well, primarily... I haven't seen one that I could have necessarily afforded at that launch price anyways, because most of them have a ridiculously high launch price. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not even into that. I'm not a whale like that. However, knowing that this is how the thing is, I just don't like this model. And if it were a true Dutch auction, just like the Google IPO or the version one that I mentioned, where they're actually finding that equal market price. So let's say it's a 10,000 generative PFP project and everyone puts in their absolute max bid saying, yes, I want one NFT. The most I'm willing to pay for it is one ETH. Another person puts in a bid. I want three NFTs. The most I'm willing to pay for it is half an ETH and so forth. And then all of them go in. And once it hits whatever the sellout price for the 10,000 would be, everything ends up selling at that price. Now, how could that actually be done currently? It would have to be via some sort of smart contract or another platform or anything like that where all these people are making the bid. And it could get very messy. And I know with all these rug pulls and all sorts of things, it would really have to be a verified, a trusted project that is uh, doing this because at the end of the day, these bids are supposed to be tied up or else they're not really bids. So, all these people would be submitting their absolute max price. And then at whatever date it is, once everything is sold, the 10,000, that would be the price. And everyone else would, in theory, be return their funds. And that's how it would work. So I know it's a messy process as far as Web3 goes and uh, being able to do this and not have the monies tied up and just, you know, a whole bunch of reasons why I could say uh, this could be an issue, especially if there is a an offer made for whatever price it is, and then this thing ends up not selling out for three months or whatever it might be, that means funds could be tied up for a period of time. It could get really messy very quickly, and then returning those funds is going to be gas fees, and I could see why this is the way it is. However, it is not a Dutch auction what we're currently seeing. Now, going forward, I would expect to see something like, say, OpenSea integrate a true Dutch auctions where you make the offer with wrapped ETH. And of course, you could put out so many offers on OpenSea and it's not going to really charge you. Just once you have that wrapped ETH, you can put out the offers. And I think that would be more of a situation where a platform such as OpenSea could do something like that rather than a project minting out uh, on their own smart contract. But who knows? I'm just saying this is something that is a potential for. However, only time will tell to see if we ever get to that true Dutch auction. And I would love to know which one of these models are you most in love with or you just don't like any of these anyways. You just want to hear the price and pay whatever it is and see if you uh, get into that war as far as just getting the gas, but you know what the actual token is going to cost and you're cool with that one. Or would you be interested in one of these Dutch auction models? Which ones do you prefer? The one that we're currently seeing in the NFT space or one of the other two? You can reach out to me on Twitter at Tropic Vibes, and let's have a discussion over there. But as usual, I want to thank you for listening to this as we're growing and building Web3 together. So until next time, later. The Nifty Business Show is not investment advice. It provides insights and information within the space. As with anything, please do your own research before making a decision whether you're making an investment or a purchase.